Tonight at the Advent Calendar House, we're doing the same thing we do every night. Watching a bunch of holiday specials. Today we're turning the mouse wheel back to 1995 to watch the Emmy-winning primetime special, A Pinky and the Brain Christmas. I'm surly pilot ex-girlfriend of a propane tank, Mike Westfall, and I have two very important guests tonight. I'm told one's a genius, the other's insane, but I haven't bothered to figure it out which is which. But to add to the insanity part, they're both named Joey. So first, <laughs> first from up in the East Coast, it's a familiar voice. It's Joey O. Hi there. Point. <laughs> <laughs> and from way out west, we have Joey L., the host of a podcast called the Animaniacast. Welcome, Joey. Narf. <laughs> that worked. Just, just to add to the confusion of which one's which, I don't know. Keep them guessing. <laughs> Yes, thank you for letting, uh, inviting me to the show. I can't. Uh, this is right up my alley. I can't wait to talk about the Pinky and the Brain Christmas special. So glad you're here. So glad I can get both of you on. So as mentioned, <laughs> this was an actual special as opposed to just another episode on Saturday mornings. This one aired on a Wednesday night, uh, December 13th, 1995, on the then-fledgling network, the WB. Do either of you remember watching this the night it debuted? No, I know I saw it, but I don't remember watching it specifically at night off the top of my head. You know, I remember watching Pinky and the Brain at night, um, but and I I, I want to say I do remember watching this, but I I can't tell for certain. I I, I it, it's so buried in my you know head. I mm-hmm. it's possible, but the, the WB like you said, Mike, it was such a fledgling fledgling network that. I honestly don't even know if we even had the WB in uh, the the Tucson area because it was a kind of slow to roll out around the country. So I'm like, mm-hmm. did we have it then or not? I we might have. Um, it was a very annoying time for me because I know when the WB launched, we didn't have it, and I knew that was the only place to get new Animaniacs episodes, and I was missing them. And <laughs> and it was distressing to me at the time when I was a uh, a teenager, but um, I, I, I do, I, I think I might have. I'll put it that way. Maybe. There you go. <laughs> I don't think I caught it that night, but I definitely saw it shortly thereafter. And this was for some reason the first TV episode I ever purchased on iTunes. <laughs> Weird. Just got a bunch of movies sitting on my old iTunes account, and then Pinky and the Brain Christmas just sitting by itself in the corner of the TV section. <laughs> Well, it's a it's a good purchase, I think. Indeed. And I thought we were going to talk about Michigan J Frog. <laughs> Hello, my baby. The WWB. WB. That was the first time I heard him called by the name Michigan J Frog. I don't know if they made that up for the network or if that was his name. Because I know he's hmm. saying the Michigan Rag. Mm-hmm. So, well, has that really got the name? That's what I always assumed. I don't know. I don't know. One of life's great mysteries. Well, this special was directed (laughs) by Rusty Mills, who earlier that year also directed another special for another holiday, the Tiny Toon Adventures Halloween special Night Ghoulery, which ended up being the final Tiny Toon special. I do not remember that. Never saw it. I saw that way after the fact. Didn't know it existed. So, And again, this was... I feel like Tiny Toons ended around 93, I think. They did that How I Spent My Summer Vacation, and then this came out of nowhere in 95. And I think Hmm. we all just missed it because no one knew what was happening. Yeah, I know. I've seen little snippets of it. I know that uh, uh, Satan is in it, uh, I believe, (laughs) if I'm not mistaken, from Animaniacs. Uh, uh, Gosh, who, who did Satan's voice in that? Was it... It wasn't Rob Perlman, was it? I oh. I don't I forget who did Satan's voice internet. in that one, but but uh, to the internet. But yeah, he I know he makes an appearance on it, um, and I don't think that Night Goolery is available on DVD. But from what I've been told, it may be available on Hulu right now. Uh, at least that's what my uh, Animaniac spies tell me. I don't know if those spies are correct or not. It is Ron Perlman's voice. 
Yeah. There you go. Hellboy. The Beast. <laughs> yes. So. The Beast. That's who he is. So since this was a primetime special, it was eligible for and won the Primetime Emmy for Outstanding Animated Program. That makes this the third Christmas special to win that award after Zicky's Gift in 1982 and one we we covered earlier this season, Will Vinton's, the now late Will Vinton's, Claymation Christmas Celebration from 87. And I mentioned back when we covered this, for much of the 90s, this category was dominated by The Simpsons. And this Pinky and the Brainwind falls right between Lisa's Wedding and Homer's Phobia. Yes. That's quite a, those are, that's quite a pair of bookends right there. That. (laughs) But enough of that. Let's talk about some lab mice. We have a special opening for this one. It's not the usual opening credits. Well, it kind of is, but you have the establishing shot of Acme Labs. You have an added layer of snowfall and jingle bells added to the theme song. And I don't know about you two, but the way that they added the snow in it makes it look like it's inside of a snow globe. (laughs) Yeah, it looked pretty cool. It's uh, similar to what they did with the the Animaniacs. Christmas episodes where they just kind of overlay the snow and just keep everything visually the the same. Um, the lyrics, however, I really did appreciate the different lyrics to this. Uh, it sounded really cool. The the especially the the joy to the world uh, part and then smashing down was a great accompaniment. <laughs> yeah, they did not have to do that, but they went all out. By the dawn of Christmas Day, there not shall be a world. They'll control the earth and rejoice through the world. The pinky and the brain, it's pinky and the brain. They'll have the merry gentlemen singing this refrain. That after Christmas Eve, the world will believe. The pinky, in pinky and the brain, 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 brain. But I think despite sounding kind of awkward to shoehorn that joy to the world in there, I feel like it works because of how awkward it is. It kind of adds to the charm of the whole show. Totally. It was, I really, I just really loved it. It just made me smile. Well, before we dive in as a regular part of this podcast, we like to mention the voice actors. And I don't know how we managed this, but this is the first appearance in the Advent Calendar House of both Maurice Lamarche, the voice of the brain, and Rob Paulson, who's Pinky. Egad. I know. Well, we <laughs> mentioned Rob, Joey, back. He came up when we were talking about Fruity Pebbles commercial. And how oh. for some reason they got Jim Cummings to re-record the voice of Santa. And Rob Paulson's name came up in that conversation. <laughs> but he is not the voice of Santa here. That honor goes to Earl Bowen, best known as Dr. Peter Silverman from the Terminator movies. Shotzi, what is this noodle noggin doll? I don't recall that. Wow. And Bone, yeah, Bowen has the distinction of being the only actor besides Arnold Schwarzenegger to appear in Terminator 1, 2, and 3. Uh, and he's done a lot of voice work. Most <laughs> recently, he's the narrator in World of Warcraft and the longtime voice of Captain LeChuck in the Monkey Island video games. Hmm. Looking at his uh, Wikipedia here, one, if you look at his live action credits, he's played a lot of doctors. Like, just look at it. Doctor, 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 doctor. Oh, yeah. And two, he was the voice of Rhino, who was one of um, the the ventriloquist thugs on Batman animated series. Oh, wow. I must have skimmed right past that. <laughs> and he played the Red Skull on the 90s Spider-Man animated series, apparently. Look at that. I don't even remember him being on Spider-Man. Red Skull was on Spider-Man? And there were a lot of episodes of that. Yeah, there were, and I missed most of them. Yeah, I'm just looking at this picture. I had no idea who he was, so I'm looking at pictures of him, and I'm like, oh, yeah, he's just been in everything. He's just a character actor you see in tons of sitcoms and movies and just everything. He's a that guy. <laughs> Definitely. Well, back to Maurice LaMarche. Joey, you actually got to interview him earlier this year at Keystone Comic Con up in Philly. Tell us about that. Well, uh, I was very excited. I don't think Maurice has ever done a con in uh, my neck of the woods that I remember. Um, I met Rob a few times. He did a Wizard World a few years back. I got to chat with me. He did a Q&A. And then um, 
I got to hang out with him at RetroCon here in the Philly suburbs a year ago, and we did a really great interview, shameless plug, for um, for uh, my show, uh, Words with Nerds, on Why Not Radio. You can scroll back through our on-demand section and hear it, or Mike can link it on the on the page for this. I absolutely <laughs> will. Yay. So Rob and Maurice were announced for the Keystone Comic Con here in Philly, which was awesome. So they did a panel together, a Pinky and the Brain Q&A, which was the was the 25th anniversary of Animaniacs as well. Yes. And they brought out a cake for them at the end of oh, it. Surprisingly cake. <laughs> uh, but, you know, they talked, you know, they did their their shtick and they talked about their career and they talked about Pinky and the Brain. And they brought up this specifically as uh, one of their favorite anything's involving hinky in the brain and we have a clip that i did because i interviewed maurice later in the day after the q a again for words with nerds which you can link but we're also going to use a clip of it during this episode whenever you want to drop it in Mike. yeah let's give a listen to more of that right here hinky <laughs> and the brain right back a friend of mine who has another podcast does a show about um we do a show about uh, holiday specials, like our favorite like kids' holiday specials, anime specials growing up. And he asked me to ask you what your favorite one is. But I think in the Q&A you said it was the Pinky and the Brain one. The, the Christmas special was so brilliantly written and so well executed. Uh, I'm, I'm, I, can't, I can't watch it without getting a tear in my eye. You know? We screened it. I said this in the Q&A. We actually had a free screening. All you had to do was bring a toy for tots. And we did a free screening at uh, the Hollywood Improv. Uh, two Christmases ago, and we uh, there wasn't a dry eye in the house. We filled the place, we screened the episode, we did a Q&A, it was fantastic. Pinky and the Brain are back with more fun! Let's begin our story with Pinky singing Deck the Halls and writing his letter to Santa while Brain tests out his newest invention on him. It's a mind-controlled doll made in Brain's likeness called Noodle Noggin. Uh, and, and Joey L., I swear I've heard the name Noodle Noggin come up before on Animaniacs. Am I, am I imagining that? Not at all. This is, uh, it's, it's from uh, episode uh, Meanie and Treacle. They, they, I think that's what it was called. Oh. It was, yeah, uh, they, they, Puppet Rulers. That was yes. the episode. Um, but yeah, there, there was a, there was an episode of Animaniacs, uh, involved a pinking the brain segment, uh, called P- puppet rulers. And in that one, uh, they basically, uh, try to, they get on a meanie and treacle, which is a, a beanie and Cecil puppet show parody. Uh, the, the goal was to become so popular, uh, that they could freeze themselves and, and then 30 years later, uh, yes. re- reemerge. And everyone would love them so much that they would take over the world. Um, and it was very true to the times, I think, actually, in a lot of ways, because <laughs> at the at the end of the episode, uh, the people, instead of loving uh, uh, big, what was it? Was it big nose and noodle noggin or big yes. ears, big ears, noodle noggin? I think I think. Yeah. But anyway, right. uh, big ears, noodle noggin. That was it. Um, so instead of loving them, though, they <laughs> all the. Uh, people decided to give them their therapy bills because they were so upset that big ears and noodle noggin left them as children. And instead of loving them, they were very upset at them. So <laughs> you, you can never please the fans as we have all learned. Once you start describing that, that entire ending came back to me. Yeah. <laughs> you are bad. You left us. Yes, it was great. It was, uh, yeah, there was, it, it even had a, <laughs> A great little segment of young Bill Clinton, even loving uh, <laughs> right. the characters. Oh, yeah. And he's like going to Little Rock and getting his own little uh, character. So as soon as he said Noodle Noggin as the uh, as the little doll, I was like, cool. OK, we're going for that again. Excellent. It's because it, it was a very the same kind of concept that uh, you were going to sell a lot of dolls named Noodle Noggin. So, OK. Nothing is more 90s Animaniacs humor than Bill Clinton jokes, as we'll see later in this episode. We yeah. sure will. It was funny, though, that, that uh, the uh, uh, brain decided to call it Noodle Noggin, though. I mean, he uh, in the original episode, he doesn't. Oh, gosh. Now I'm trying to remember what he he calls him. But it's not Noodle Noggin. He calls himself. Uh, oh, gosh. Looking it up right now. <laughs> It's, it's, it's a, it's a very, oh gosh, give me just a moment. I can hear them in my head. Big ears, noodle noggin. Noggin. Big ears, noodle noggin. Big, oh, I remember what it is now. It, it's, uh, it's, 
interesting that the brain decided to call himself or call the doll noodle noggin, especially because the original episode, I think he calls himself the iconoclast or something. Yes. Like <laughs> and, and it's, so the, the, the brain has totally, he's embraced this uh, moniker now. <laughs> it's like, it's just too good a name to waste. Yes. And I guess in this timeline, no one remembers noodle noggin or ever knew him to begin with. So. Exactly. Because the way this noodle noggin doll works is it's hooked up to a satellite device brain has built, which when turned on broadcasts a hypnotic signal he plans to use to deliver his suggestion to the world to make him their ruler. Interesting choice of words here. He's going to broadcast a hypnotic suggestion, not a command. <laughs> well, that, that's how they, uh, they, 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 well, he does say command you later on, but whatever, you know, it's a, it's a hypnotic suggestions of, uh, of obeying. <laughs> he does say I command you at the end. It's not fun if they're <laughs> not on board, but that makes, I mean, that's kind of how hypnotists really work. I, I saw one hypnotist in my entire life. And I wasn't a volunteer, but they did. he did make it clear to the volunteers that in no way would they lose the power to choose not to do something. He couldn't control them. His commands were suggestions. And the, those who were open and willing to follow them were the ones who made better volunteers. So, Oh, yeah. Brain seems to know ruling the world only works if everyone's on board with it. <laughs> it's true. I was a I was a hypnotist volunteer at a county fair one year. Were you? And uh, yeah, oh, it was great. I, I, my my mom had a a booth there, so I went, I was at the county fair many times to go see this hypnotist. And this hypnotist realized very quickly that um, I would play along a lot, so he would pull <laughs> me up on stage a lot. It helped you, that sir. I was in. Yeah, you sir, you random person. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it helped that I was a. Uh, uh, in high school and in drama at the time, because it was a lot of improv on stage. So uh, I was like, okay, yeah. cool. I'll act like Kermit the Frog right now. Sure. <laughs> Mike will act like Kermit the Frog without being hypnotized. Yeah, it kind of just pops up every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other big catch is that he needs to somehow mass produce a billion noodle noggin dolls. And that's when he notices an ad in the newspaper he's walking on. Elves wanted for holiday rush, apply North Pole. And that's when we get our classic line. Pinky, are you pondering what I'm pondering? Well, I think so, Brain, but apply North Pole to what? <laughs> oh, man. That one's one of my favorites because it's on topic to what they're talking about. Not to say yes. that I don't love the random ones. My absolute favorite reply to the pondering question is, I think so, Brain, but, but me and Pippi Longstocking, well, what would the children look like? <laughs> <laughs> but also concerning Apply North Pole to what, it shows Pinky's awareness to the rules of grammar, giving a little extra cadence to that popular theory that he's secretly the genius and the insane one. <laughs> How much stock do you guys put into that theory? I never heard that one, actually. Oh, I hear it quite often. Uh, my co-host, uh, Nathan, on the Animaniacast will... Uh, quite often say that even though we've had Tom Ruger on the show uh, and has said that that theory is, is pretty ridiculous. So it's, it's <laughs> ah, well. I, I hold little stock in it, but even though, but again, it's, it's, it's a fun thing to debate. Um, you could, you could theoretically argue that the, the pinky is the genius because he, he always is uh, stopping the brains, uh, attempts to take over the world in a in a silly way but really he knows what he's doing but of course that's not true but whatever <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to tell sometimes though i love uh, theory and i mean i'm fine with it not being real but <laughs> i'm not a big proponent of most fan theories but this one every once in a while you'll see a little sign of holding at least some way with little moments like this and Pinky asking Brain later, do you really want to try to take over the world at Christmas time? And that leads to a fun flashback of a time we've never seen before. Uh, the Brain tried to play Santa only to get squashed by kids yeah. attempting to sit on his lap. <laughs> so he knows enough to remind Brain of his past failings. Uh, and as we come to realize later, never falters in his support. Back to what Brain was pondering, his plan is to disguise himself and Pinky as elves and apply for the Holiday Rush positions at Santa's workshop. 
and get the elves to make and distribute all the noodle noggin dolls. So, travel accommodations to the North Pole are provided by a surly female pilot with the golden pipes of Tress McNeil. <laughs> wait, wait, hold up! I think you missed one of my favorite moments in that part oh, no. of the episode uh, when Pinky uh, does a Regis Philbin impression. Oh, that's oh. right. That's when he's testing yes. out noodle noggin. Yes. Testing sort of, out noodle noggin and oh, who is it that he? Uh, <clears throat> he says, "Do an impersonation of William F. Buckley." That's right. <laughs> and and Pinky just goes, "Uh." Impersonate William F. Buckley. Mm. Impersonate Regis Philbin. I'm out of control. Yes, success. What kind of a genius is that? Doesn't know who William F. Buckley, of course, the <laughs> conservative oh, commentator. Uh, anyway, uh, I thought that was quite quite funny. Uh, I'm out of control. Yeah, uh, which is which is Dana Carvey's Regis. Yes, it was like, guy, you ready for this? I'm out of control. Oh which my is gosh, Dana yeah. Carvey's That's impression right. of Regis, and not something Regis really did. Well, <laughs> because one of the other most '90s things is Regis Philbin jokes. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not the first time Pinky's talked about Regis. No, uh, well, and then. The, the poor statue that re- th- replaced Martin Scorsese's in the good film. Yes. yes. <laughs> anyway, continue. Yeah. I just want to make sure we, we mention uh, Regis Philbin. No, thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> I'll edit around. Uh, but Travel accommodations to the North Pole are provided by a surly female pilot with the golden pipes of Tress McNeil. Mm-hmm. Who's basically doing a variation of her Agnes Skinner voice here, which is... A, on its own, incredibly versatile, but I love whenever Tress McNeil pops up anywhere because it's easy to recognize her voice now. Yeah, uh, I, I I love this scene and how just how ridiculous this one <laughs> character is and how they're she's so she's just dumb enough to. I, I wanted to see what how this happened in the first place. Like, how did they get? Them, this woman to agree to take them on a flight when it's just a like a this scarecrowish kind of character that is carrying this mouse cage. Yeah. Um, I, I, it was a, such a funny, silly scene. I just wanted to see what happened ten seconds before to get them on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> right, you missed that. Oh, that would have been a good story by itself. But I like that they cut it out because it leaves yeah. you guessing. Uh, yeah, exactly. And then, and then the dummy silence is a bittersweet reminder of a former flame, a very specific kind of flame. And I'll cut in that a bit right here, but it's just like, yeah, I had a boyfriend like you once, always thinking, real quiet. Turned out he was actually a propane tank, which explained a lot. I miss him. That, I That's think, a great, is my... Go ahead. That's just a great gag, like almost like a throwaway gag in there. <laughs> yeah, that might be my favorite line of the whole special because the joke keeps getting better with every sentence she adds. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Uh, and then at one point, the pilot asks her silent passenger to take the wheel, which, of course, it can't. And amid the chaos of her trying to correct her flight, the door opens, sending the mice plummeting from the aircraft. Though able to parachute safely down to Earth using their dummy's removed head. <laughs> Very convenient. Indeed. Maybe they really did think of everything. Maybe. <laughs> well, it's like when you have to, there's a parachute under your seat on a plane, they just put it in the dummy. Yeah. But they make the rest of the journey to the North Pole by commandeering a dog sled and then uh, to meet with the hiring elf Shotzi, voiced by Jeff Bennett. Oh, okay. Yeah, he, like his co-stars, has a long list of credits, but he's probably best known as the voice of Johnny Bravo. (laughs) Or if you have young children like I do, he's the man with the yellow hat on Curious George. And then in the Disney fold, he's the current voice of Mr. Smee Capping. Oh, and Petrie from The Land Before Time, but only from number two onward to, I think they're up to about 14 now. Ooh, and if you, cl- again, click on his uh, Wikipedia and scroll down to his TV voice roles, one of his earliest ones here is Pardak from Batman the Animated Series again. Oh, I thought you said Hordak. I'm like, that's no. not Hordak. Oh, Pardak, <laughs> the robot. Your hand is like ice. I'm fine. <laughs> 
he does a really good John Cleese impression too. Does he, he? did a uh, uh, he was a uh, Mr. F- uh, Flaxseed uh, on uh, Animaniacs. Wait a minute, where it's I thought so that was John Cleese. That's what I'm saying. He does such a good John Cleese impression that it just sounds like him. And I believe in uh, in, later on in other episodes where it was um, like uh, in any time they have a John Cleese character on Animaniacs, it's usually, I believe, always (laughs) voiced by Jeff Bennett. So in uh, Le Miserables, there's a, you know, a French uh, John Cleese uh, waiter. uh, (laughs) Bitten in the butt. Uh, sing song sings that song, uh, and of course, like uh, another one where he talks about uh, Buckingham Palace, and it just looks, it just sounds like John Cleese. As a kid, I just thought it was John Cleese, but he he's I awesome. Did. Also, yeah. he was baloney. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and duh, he was Brooklyn on on Gargoyles. That's what I would think of as like his most oh, yeah. normally voice. I keep forgetting about. Gar- I think all of us collectively keep forgetting about gargoyles, and then when it pops up, not me. Just like, <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for paying attention for us, Joey. I, I regularly ask, <laughs> where has Avalon brought us today? <laughs> I wanted to mention a joke that, if you weren't paying attention, it's very easy to miss. But as they suit up in their elf costumes, Pinky tells Brain he sort of looks like a young Sigmund Freud. For which Brain thanks him and adds, although I consider myself Jungian. Jungian. Oh, Jungian. I'm dumb. (laughs) That's a Carl Jung joke, kids. Look him up. Yeah. I was a psychology major major in Uh, in college. I Now, I have forgotten everything about (laughs) what makes somebody a Jungian uh, person or, or, uh, you know, Freudian person. But uh, I... uh, yeah, I, I do remember how to pronounce uh, young because it's farther than I got. But <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a very Fraser joke. I felt like, yes. yeah, young psychology is more analytical by nature, and that fits brain. The joke checks out. <laughs> so Shotzi hires the two new elves, and by stroke of perfect cartoon luck, assigns them to the mail room. Her brain uses the computerized database to add Noodle Noggin to every list Santa's received. And then later, we see Santa on his treadmill, working out and looking over all the lists printed out on a neatly folded stack of dot matrix paper printer. <laughs> and that might be the nerdiest thing that's ever made me feel nostalgic. <laughs> all that's missing is the printer noise coming out. I got to... Oh, I, I was going to say, I had a... a bunch of uh, my grandfather gave me a bunch of old printer paper a year ago and it was a box full of dot matrix printer paper along with his old apple 2e and uh printer that goes along with it so one of these days i'm gonna have to get that thing up and running i brought it all over to my school and showed it to the students (laughs) to say like see how it used to be this is (laughs) what we had to deal with when handing in a 10-page essay yes it would take 20 minutes but but you made some really great banners with those, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Paint Shop Pro, yo. Um, also, Santa's exercising. Uh, someone taught me a long time ago that no one wants a skinny Santa. Hey, yeah. Well, I mean, he's got to keep it somewhere in a happy medium. <laughs> Well, from Santa's perspective, all this means is that there's some hot new toy he hasn't heard of, and he instructs Shotzi to find the blueprints for this noodle noggin doll and have all his elves uh, move them all to production and get ready and start building them. I enjoy seeing how different Christmas specials present the business side of Santa here. He's on the treadmill here. Sometimes he's shown as very hands-on like he is kind of here. Others show him as playing as not knowing what's going on, but hinting that he actually does has, have an eye on everything. This is not one of those times. Uh, it appears here that Santa is none the wiser. Even when the two get caught by Shotzi later, uh, is actually not being elves, and then they disguise themselves as reindeer, Santa seems fine with it. <laughs> well, they do a great, they do a great uh, reindeer impression. That's why. Yeah, true. <laughs> Didn't Pinky predict early on, like how the bureaucracy works up there. Doesn't Pinky say that they, that all the elves type in the, uh, the lists for Santa. He did. Computer. Yeah. yeah. He was on point. Cause he's a genius. 
<laughs> I mean, he has the mind of a child, and every, I mean, who knows better about Santa than children? Also, somewhere around here is the Donner Party joke. Yes. Oh, I completely missed. How did I leave that yes. out of my notes? <laughs> yeah, that was a really cute thing. The brain is the brain does not want any part of that. Yeah. <laughs> Look, Rain, the reindeers are inviting elves to join them for a party at Donner's house. Hmm. Somehow the idea of joining the Donner Party is unappealing. Which <laughs> is a good Animaniac style joke, for sure. It is, because I, again, no kid's gonna get that until much, much later, and then it's like a whirlwind of times you've heard that in different things, and it's just, oh. Like the time I realized uh, Placido Domingo was a real person and not just the name of an opera singing flamingo on Sesame Street. (laughs) (laughs) I always think of how I learned that Rosebud was the sled because of real Ghostbusters, and I bet Maurice was the one saying it now that I think about it. <laughs> oh, I think you're right. It's all connected. That's right. Yeah, Maurice LaMarche, the voice of Egon on the real Ghostbusters. Well, Santa may seem fine with it and may not have any idea what's going on, and that may have to do with the fact that Pinky has yet to give Santa his Christmas letter, because Brain keeps telling him to forget it, they don't have time. But, uh... They try to slip the noodle noggin blueprints to the workshop's design office, but that's when Shotzi finds them. They're in a restricted area, and then a chase ensues. Here's where I think Brain had a blind spot. Why didn't he just say, Hey, we noticed this noodle noggin doll on all the letters, and we found these blueprints among the mail. Problem solved. (laughs) But no, a chase begins, which involves the mice trying to get away in several toy vehicles. We're realizing the race car they settle on is remote controlled, and Shotzi has the controls. So he then pulls off the mice's fake pointed ears and beards and discovers, hey, you guys aren't real elves, are you? (laughs) Uh, uh, I love that scene where they're trying to get away and they jump into the... They go to the the, uh, Barbie car. Uh, It's not Barbie, it's like... It's Bombie. Bombie with uh, what's under the hood lipstick, lipstick. Uh, and then jumping in and then jumping into the, uh, the Tonka truck and just the come on mama or come on baby or whatever he says uh, as it slowly starts rolling. And of course, uh, topping it off with the race car crashing into the, the wall and then the airbags deploying a second too late um, as a just such a funny scene. Really funny. That leads us into a classic interrogation scene where Shotzi wants to know... Who you working for? The Easter Bunny? The Tooth Fairy? Herschel the Hanukkah Goblin? (laughs) Herschel the Hanukkah Goblin. That might be my favorite made-up Hanukkah mascot. (laughs) Well, it's near Christmas, so it needs a mascot, right? Even though it already has a story with actual people. Uh, But that's with apologies to Mark Hamill's Hanukkah zombie from Futurama. I think Herschel's my favorite. Yeah. Easily my second favorite Herschel who celebrates Hanukkah. Number one being, hey, hey! (laughs) I always liked uh, Hanukkah Harry myself growing up, but that's just me. That was uh, John Lovitz, right? Yes. On Saturday Night Live. Ooh, and um, Ross Geller's Hanukkah Armadillo. Oh, yes. Let's not forget about the Hanukkah Armadillo. (laughs) See, we got a top four right there. (laughs) <laughs> well, Shotzi and his crony elves discover the mice have the noodle noggin blueprints they're looking for, and Brain plays along. Oh, you got me. Guess you gotta make these dolls now. And during the split second Shotzi turns his back, the mice escape, even despite Pinky's We're getting away! Sonic victory. <laughs> I, like, all, I feel like I need to find some point in my life where I need to do that. Where I'm making some daring escape and I need to I need to sing it oh, we're getting away. <laughs> Someday. It's it's right next to like uh it's a it's a great goodbye line uh to anybody. Uh that I think that and maybe Indiana Jones in uh, Temple of Dune with nice try, Laoshe, and then and going away. So <laughs> that and we're getting away is now my two favorite leaving the room lines. <laughs> Now on the bucket list. Now I'm using it like every week. (laughs) 
Well, the two make it out of the workshop and Santa's ready to take off, as is the case with most Christmas specials involving Santa. I have no concept of time here. So we have an established theorem on this podcast that the sleigh is a time machine, and that's how Santa gets his delivery job done, but how they manage to get those billion noodle noggins cranked out so quickly is another Christmas miracle, I guess. Agreed. Well, we see the um, the assembly line of them. We see the assembly line, and instead of the music powerhouse, they do like a public domain version of the yes. song powerhouse. I, I had that in my notes, too. It was sort of like an, an homage to Powerhouse without actually being it. I mean, kudos to them to, to do their own work, but... There's also, right around this part of the episode, I really loved the renditions of the traditional holiday music because it was done with the Animaniacs style of, you know, orchestral... You know, you know what the scored Animaniacs sounds like and the type of, you know, the orchestra they used and they sort of apply that style to familiar christmas i really liked that version of it and how it turned out this was such an amazing stretch of time just the whole 90s period of the wb's real animation boom between tiny tunes and animaniacs and hearing pinky in the brain the orchestra the the music whoever's writing that music was just on point for a long stretch was no wait, Shirley Walker? Was that who did Batman the Animated Series? Um Are we talking about the scores or are we yeah, talking the, about we're talking about the scores. Yeah. Well, I think Richard Stone was doing uh, both Animaniacs and Pinky and the Brain, I think. Um so I'm pretty sure he did the the music for this episode, mm-hmm. I think. I know I was just listening to the um, – was watching the – I watched this episode on DVD today. Hey. So And then I – yeah, remember that thing? And uh, they have a they had a special uh, on that same disc talking about uh, just making the show. And then they mentioned uh, Richard Stone's scores on, uh, on the series. So I believe it's Richard Stone, at least the majority of it. Yeah, music by Richard Stone. There it is. IMDb. The Great Stony Knee. <laughs> as he's known by, I think Paul Rugg came up with that name. While having successfully passed themselves off as tiny, tiny reindeer, Pinky and the Brain detach themselves from their reins when they fly over Acne Labs. But they crash through a window on the roof and land directly <laughs> on Brain's transmitter setup. Because mm-hmm. of course they did. So now they have to fix that. Also, there's the physics of two mice falling through a glass ceiling, just smashing it like that. Right. Oh, also one more thing I had to note about. Um, Pinky's uh, reindeer horns, his antlers, uh, was the same as Max, the Grinch's dog, pretty much. You're right. Oh, yeah. Very I much. I didn't notice that until right now that I'm looking at a picture of it. Very much so, yes. Totally. That's that's that had to be what they were going for. And uh, which, by the way, I just love how when Brain says to Pinky, act natural right there. And he (laughs) just, no, not that, you know, that's not the natural way you should be acting. Not that natural. (laughs) It's here back at home that Pinky realizes he still has his letter he wanted to deliver to Santa and just breaks down into inconsolable tears. And throughout this whole special, he's been trying to get his letter to Santa, and Brain continuously tells him to grow up and stop being childish. But this isn't the usual sort of grow-up demands we get from similar specials, where you have people tell, why do you still believe in Santa Claus? They've seen him. His operation (laughs) was a crucial piece of Brain's puzzle. So is it just, I'm about to rule the world, and I need your undivided attention to this mission? I believe so, because it certainly isn't like a childish thing if Santa doesn't exist in this. I mean, Santa's putting up well, help wanted ads for the, all the world to see. So <laughs> everyone knows Santa exists in this world. It's just I guess it's just, uh, you know, when you get to a certain age, which in this case for Pinky and the Brain is two, because uh, I found out how old they were in oh, this episode. Right. <laughs> so once you get when you're a mouse when you get to the age of two you are to put away childish things and <laughs> and uh and just leave santa alone <laughs> exactly 
while Brain snatches the letter from Pinky and tells him to get ready to flip the switch when there's enough power to broadcast to the entire world. And we pan across the globe, which they've conveniently narrowed down to somewhere in America, somewhere in Germany, and of course a childlike, joy-filled President Clinton in the White House. (laughs) That's the whole (laughs) world, everybody. And that's Frank Welker doing this Bill Clinton impression there. Yeah. Good old Frank. (laughs) And of course, while Brain's waiting for the power level to get into the red, he glances at Pinky's letter and we read... Dear Santa, hello, haha, Narf. This year, Santa, I ask for nothing, but I wish to tell you about my dear friend, the Brain. He is honest and very hardworking, and only wants what's best for the world, but he gets no reward. He is only greeted with defeat. He never gives up, but I know it must be very hard. So please... Take anything that you had for me and give it to my best friend in the whole world, the brain. Love, Pinky. P.S. By any chance do you have in that big old bag of yours, the world? <laughs> it's such an emotional, like, it, it really is an emotional, like, Heart tearing at the heartstrings moment and a performance from from Rob reading it too. Yeah, well, I think I read both Maurice and Rob have said that they were both in genuine tears while recording this scene. It was from a, both of them. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, the brain reads that aloud. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but it's it's Rob Paulson's. You know, Pinky. I, I haven't seen this episode in years, and I knew that this was an episode that, you know, I've I've seen Maurice uh, at, at you know panel at Phoenix Comic Con talking about this being his favorite and, and crying and everything. And I thought, oh, that's nice. And I didn't think this would have an effect on me, but guys, I was I was tearing up. I was I had to I I was watching the episode today with my wife next to me, and I had to kind of uh, get up from the couch a little bit and just kind of step out of the. <laughs> Like, I'm going to watch this in the other uh, kind of uh, away from the TV. This is making me feel my feelings. Yeah. Uh, so I had to wipe a couple tears away from, uh, you know, one single tear uh, down the thing. Yeah. But uh, it, gosh, it was so well. I mean, everything is hitting it right here. It's, you know, the, just the 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 franticness of the brain uh, as he's trying just so hard like stop it stop it you know he's he's so close he's so close and then of course with with the with the with uh pinky uh it, you, you you really can see the anim in the animation and the voices and everything it's just it's just coming together so perfectly um that the it, it was just brilliant i mean it's i've never i mean i i just saw star is born recently and i i yeah, it's kind of sort of sad moments in this, but I cried more at this uh, <laughs> Pinky in the Brain episode <laughs> than well, the movies that are supposed to be making you cry a lot. It also builds off years of us knowing, you know, their relationship and their friendship and the characters, too. Mm-hmm. It's an earned moment. Definitely. It is. And like our hearts, Brains also grows three sizes and he commands the world at the last moment. Have a Merry Christmas, everyone. Have a merry, merry Christmas. Joy to the world. Yes. <laughs> and then he destroys his transmitter. He had them. He had them. Right. He threw How it all close? away. Is this the closest he's gotten compared to his other attempts to take over the world? He usually gets very close then, but I'll tell you this. This is, I think, I, I believe the only time where he he could have it was it was totally the the brain making a conscious decision i believe to not take over the world if i if i if i were to gather i mean there's so many episodes of Peaking the brain that i have to <laughs> that i'll be i'm sure watching over the the years uh that i may be wrong but i i think this is one of the the most powerful definitely moments where he makes this decision to stop and it's not pinky's fault well i guess you Technically, you could say it's his fault, but (laughs) whatever. I'm with you. Uh, He gets really close, but a pretty concise list at io9.com ranking every single one of Brain's puts this one dead last. 
Uh, and their reasoning, their reasoning is, well, what if they don't celebrate Christmas, Brain? Too many variables here. Uh, <laughs> all right. No, not in a Christmas special, not because a Christmas in a Christmas special? in a Christmas special, everybody celebrates Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Except for Herschel the Hanukkah Goblin. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, they, they had a special plan with him, too. They, you know, they had to outsource it to him there you go. Uh, as well. It was all behind the scenes. Yeah. Well, on that list, the highest rank attempt, as far as plans go, was when he bought every property in the world above its 39th floor and tried to use the Hubble Space Telescope to melt the polar ice caps. <laughs> and that got topical quickly. <laughs> that episode comes after this one. It's called Fly, so at least they're improving. We also get one more uh, brief appearance of the voice of... Um Bubba Clinton there, which goes back to something else I, I had on my notes about when we see the whole Clinton uh, Christmas tree tableau is that we get Chelsea, but it's sort of like the the um, oh uh, like big frizzy hair caricature of her that was mm-hmm. kind of mean. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I do. Yeah. yeah, yeah, kind of a big nose on her too, and who, everything. Who played her on? Who played her on SNL? I'm blanking on it. Oh, Julie Sweeney. Oh yeah. yeah, I'm picturing that version of her. Um, well, I did like in that little uh, tableau of the of the Clintons together, though, was uh, that socks the cat was scratching at a Newt Gingrich uh, <laughs> scratching post. <laughs> wow, I didn't even catch that. Yeah, I was like, yeah, that sounds like something the Clintons would have definitely oh, got. Yeah. They probably still have that. Yeah, not the cat, but I hope not the cat. No. <laughs> But our heroes don't leave empty-handed, not on Christmas. So the episode ends with the two exchanging gifts from each other, which with Brain giving Pinky a spell checker. Remember when it was its own thing and yeah. out of a pocket calculator? I forgot those existed. <laughs> so did I. Oh, also, that's a throwback to another joke that um, the letter to Santa said T-O-O Santa. Oh, uh, yeah. There it is. And then Pinky gives the brain a keychain shaped like a small globe, and oh my heart. Mm-hmm. And that's how we end. So good. And I think we hit everything, unless either of you have anything else to add. Uh, not really. I mean, it's just, it. I, again, I haven't seen this episode for so many years, and it was so much fun to see it. And uh, I... I, I just, I really, I forgot how much I love this episode. Yeah, yeah at really, the time. Go ahead. I, I would say, at the, uh, yeah, at the Q&A they did, I couldn't remember this episode at all. I'm just like, oh, yeah, of course there was a Pinky and the Brain Christmas episode. But because it was on the solo Pinky and the Brain series, I probably only saw it a few times as opposed to, you know, the first seasons of Animaniacs I saw a zillion times. So it just didn't register. But once I started watching this, I'm like, okay, I definitely remember this. I definitely remember this ending On the um, DVD of uh, it's, it's uh, volume one of Pinky and the Brain, <laughs> disc <Yeah>. two, <laughs> uh, Peter Hastings, who wrote this episode, uh, is featured in one of the, uh, the special features and talks about how that last scene right there where, uh, you know, Pinky got him a little world keychain right there and how that kind of brings tears <laughs> to his eyes and everything uh it's such a sweet sweet moment and you know it's 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 i think with a lot of christmas special specials it's uh hard to ride that line of you know especially uh, we're gonna be funny and but we're gonna also have to be sweet at the same time but you don't want to make it too sweet because then it, you know whatever but this this really did uh kind of ride that line really well it it uh Felt like a, it still felt like a Pinky in the Brain episode, um, which was nice. Yeah, it was it was a perfect combination of of serious and silly, mm-hmm. which, I just, which I just love. Um, but this is available, <laughs> as Joey said, on DVD. You can also watch it on Hulu, at least as of this recording. Who knows where it'll be in a few months or years? But <laughs> out on some, uh, on on tangible disc if you want. <laughs> It'll probably be out for quite a while on Hulu. One would hope because of the, you know, the Animaniacs reboot is coming in 2020. So Hulu has a has a deal with uh, Warner Brothers to 
hopefully keep those uh tr- you know classic episodes up and streaming for a while Here's especially hoping. as they want to promote if they want to promote the new series they have to uh show the classic ones to to hook the kids hopefully right absolutely well, if people want to attach the North Pole to you, where can they find you in your lab planning for tomorrow night, Joey L? <laughs> well, they can go over to uh, Animaniacast.com, or you can see the Animaniacast over on Twitter and Facebook, Instagram, all those fun things. Uh, we are a podcast that uh, goes over every episode of Animaniacs, and uh, in this episode's coming out. We'll probably be wrapping up our classic run of uh, the Animaniacs. So we have a whole archive over at Animaniacast.com. Uh, we also have a bunch of cool interviews and discussions with uh, Tom Ruger, who the uh, creator of Animaniacs, as well as other writers of the show and uh, voice actors from the show and, and all that stuff. So we enjoy it. We go through every episode and uh, talk about a lot of other stuff as well along the way. So that's where I would go. Animaniacast.com. That's Can't awesome. Recommended enough. Thank you. Thank you. And Joey, oh, where are you on the internet? Well, you can find me uh, speaking Freundlaven on Twitter <laughs> at I'm gonna DJ24, and you can hear me on the internet radios at WhyNotRadio.net. And also at WhyNotRadio.net is Joey's full interview with Maurice Lamarche in the Words with Nerds archives there. So be sure to check that out. Yes. <laughs> always. And as always, you can find <laughs> show notes for this episode and the rest of the season on the web at adventcalendar.house and get in touch with me on Twitter at adventcalhouse. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me tonight. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Is that necessary? Park the Herald Angels the Advent Calendar House is part of the Christmas Podcast Network. To find more shows like this one, visit ChristmasPodcastNetwork.com. Ho, 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 ho. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Greetings, holiday shoppers. I'm Joseph Wade, and I host a podcast called Christmas Creeps. My band of merry mischief makers and I dissect holiday movies and specials all year round in search of the true meaning of Christmas. So whether you can't resist the urge to watch Home Alone in June, or you worship at the altar of mutant killer snowmen, Christmas Creeps is the podcast for the Grinch in all of us. Check us out at christmascreeps.com or wherever you download podcasts. Next time on the Advent Calendar House... Christmas comes to Eternia, and you'll want to be there. It's the all-new He-Man She-Ra Christmas Special. 